0: You're listening to episode 189 of the Mad Chatters Podcast, May 16th, 2018.
1: Most everyone's mad here.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Mad Chatters Podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney Universe. I'm Derek, and I'm joined by my fellow chatters, Matthew. Buenos dias. And Jeremy. Flaming like a Maleficent float. Well gentlemen, let's get to some news. Because uh, some exciting stuff, depending on how you look at it. Transpired this weekend at Walt Disney World. Uh, but first, I do want to mention something related to what we talked about last week, and that was Infinity War. And we were talking about some of the box office records it had set so far, and I mentioned that it was the 15th highest grossing film of all time on day 12. Well, here we are a week later, and as of Tuesday, May 15th, it is now the 5th highest-grossing film of all time, worldwide. It's only about $40 million behind Jurassic World, so I'm guessing by the time this episode comes out, it will be fourth-highest-grossing of all time. Uh, it's made $1.63, 63 billion billion worldwide. So it's just barreling through the competition.
2: I don't think that record's going to hold up though because book club is opening this coming weekend and that's probably going to knock it off
0: definitely definitely i can see that yeah um interestingly enough that's worldwide domestically it has passed neither the original avengers film or black panther whereas worldwide it's now the highest grossing mcu film of all time so i guess just here in the states it's taking a little bit of time to catch up with those others
2: yeah, I think Black Panther had a little more lasting power than probably Infinity Wars. Wars? War is going to have. Um, there was only one, right? There wasn't two. <laughs> just two one. Yeah, just one. But <laughs> okay. well, I guess if something is an Infinity, it has to be singular, simply by definition. Anyways, um, yeah, so I think uh, probably uh, Black Panther is going to hold on to a record as far as the lasting power goes.
0: I don't know. I think I think Infinity War will pass it. It's just taking longer stateside. I don't know, we'll see. All right, well speaking or not speaking, let's move over to the parks because uh, things got real lit over the weekend if I do if I can say that. Um
2: you did not. You didn't <laughs>
0: The festival, I'm sure you saw it online, but the Festival of Fantasy Parade kicked off at three like it normally does. And if you've seen that parade, one of the last floats is a steampunk Maleficent. We've raved about it on this show. It's very impressive. She She breathes fire. This worked for most of the parade, but as it got to the end of its route, the fire started to spread and Maleficent's entire head was a Uh So the parade instantly came to a stop. All the performers were rushed backstage. Some hoses were brought out. Some fire extinguishers, some fire extinguishers, <laughs> or extinguishers, were brought extinguishers. out. <laughs> uh, Maleficent was doused. Uh, the fire was put out, but it looks like there is some significant damage to a beloved float.
1: Yeah, and don't look for it back anytime soon. This is what
0: happens. Uh, Unfortunately, I think you're right. Yeah.
2: I think it'll be back. It'll just be back in B mode.
0: Yeah, it won't breathe fire. It'll just have a
1: strobe light that shoots out of its mouth. (laughs) Nothing will ever breathe fire ever again. You know, Disney World should listen to our episode where we did something with this, right? Alternative things that come out of Maleficent's mouth.
0: (laughs) That's right, yeah.
1: But look for something else besides fire. Bubbles. I don't
0: know. Uh, Well, so far she has not even returned. Obviously, you know it's more than just a safety issue. Like she's messed up right now. Like there's been a lot of damage, so she can't come back in any form. So what they did the next day and every day since is they added Aurora to the parade, and so now Philip is with Aurora, and they're in basically at a gazebo. I think it was reused from the Easter parade. It looks like one of those white gazebos. And they're just waving while uh, Once Upon a Dream plays. Terrible. Well, you know, got to do something. It's another princess. People like princesses.
2: Well, and I think, too, a sad thing to think about as well is the cast members that were hired to run that float. Are they out of jobs now? Because I think that was at least probably a six-man team.
0: Probably so. Interesting. Yeah. That's a shame. Driving the gazebo now
2: and one of them's in drag as, as Aurora.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, what you said about uh, Maleficent not breathing fire, that float is in Disneyland Paris, and reports are saying that it's still in that parade, but it has not breathed fire since this incident occurred. And that's also true with the Jack-Jack float that is in Disneyland. The fire element has not been has not been utilized since then.
2: So. Well, hopefully they don't overreact and ban all cool pyro effects and parades. Hopefully that they're just taking Fireworks. a break. Saying, but but just taking a break and saying, hey, we're gonna just reevaluate all of our fire breathing, fire consume and not consuming fire. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. So maybe they're just trying to do a quick safety inspection across the whole company, just to make sure that everything's. In tip top shape, and then all of the flames and fire will be back before you know
0: it. Yeah, I mean, first you have to find out what went wrong, then take care of it, and then you, yeah, there's no reason why you can't bring it back. Uh, well, unfortunately, Maleficent wasn't the only thing we lost this week. Uh, Twitter was a buzz this weekend because Walt Disney World has phased out the loud. A chaotic atmosphere inside Whispering Canyon Cafe. If you're not aware, this is the, one of the table service restaurants in the Wilderness Lodge. It's been known for hooting and hollering, and the, waiter, the waiters and waitresses throw straws at the guests, and they just have fun, and when someone asks for ketchup, you know, they yell, we need ketchup, more ketchup, whatever. They have the kids run around with their wooden stick horses. It's just kind of known for being... Or Derek. Oh, yes, I have been known to run around with a wooden horse as well, unfortunately. Uh, not yeah. even at that
2: restaurant, just in general. <laughs> it's just yeah. a thing I do. He roams the hills of Tennessee.
0: Yeah, just find me in Hollywood Studios running around. Uh, yeah, so apparently the servers have been told to basically not do any of that anymore. Uh, some people are speculating it's safety issues. Some people are saying that they're just getting too many complaints from guests who are staying here who can hear it all the way up from their room and too many noise complaints so yeah it has been confirmed by disney that changes are happening to this restaurant and one of them is that the antics are gone let Didn't me tell you i
1: just say this say it no i just said this on a good bad the ugly i called out whispering canyon for its weird atmosphere in the middle of a deluxe resort
0: yeah i've always wondered how much of that noise trickles up to the rooms
1: well look what about Chef Mickey? I mean, I've I've never stayed at the Wilderness Lodge, but I've stayed at Contemporary Resort in the in the A-frame area. That's irritating too. It's a party, you know, at like eight a.m. Um, I don't know if it's a noise. Maybe it's not a noise thing. They're just reimagining it.
2: Let me tell you. Let me say this. This is some grade A bull snot because there are. Hundreds of restaurants and places to eat at Walt Disney World. And this is a unique experience that is really limited to this dining location. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. If you can, you know, like Matt said, the, you're not going to get peace and quiet at Walt Disney World at any of the resorts. Um, if you're in the uh, in the value resorts, there's the cheerleading competitions and they're all, mm-hmm. all in at all hours of the night. You got Chef Mickey's, which is the same thing. Exactly. If it's because it's a danger thing, well, there's lots of stuff that happens in restaurants that are, you know, you can adjust to those kind of things. Okay, maybe kids running around the aisles is is a danger. Okay, we can adjust. That doesn't mean we have to wipe everything fun out of the restaurant. If it's just the fact that guests are complaining that they don't like the experience, go somewhere else. I don't think people
1: um, like this kind of stuff anymore in general. I think that even if they know to expect something fun, they don't want that, and it's just the way people are. People are more introverted than ever, and I think they move towards that with the little coaster option. You know, when you could uh, you know choose whether you wanted to be messed with or not. Um, this is just the logical next step.
0: Wait, explain the coaster option, because when I first saw this, my in my mind I thought well, there's an easy solution: have the signs that said that say, do, "Does your party want?" Us to ramp up the craziness or not?
1: Well, I guess yeah. The the coaster was on the table, and if you wanted to, uh, you know, just eat and have a normal dining experience, you turned it on one side. And if you wanted, you were okay with your your table being, you know, part of the action and your waiter and waitress acting, you know, in character, then you turned it on the other side that said we're, you know, we're good to go or whatever. But I guess that didn't, you know, preclude or prohibit the rest of the restaurant from being the way it was, and maybe people just didn't enjoy that. I mean, it's not like they advertise what exactly is going on. I've never read the official um, Disney World page about Whispering Canyon, but there's nothing that says, like, you know, warning or whatever. This place does this, so.
2: I mean, does this mean now we're going to get rid of the antics at uh, 50's Prime Time Cafe? Are we going to get rid of the antics at... uh, Where's another restaurant that has antics? (laughs) Are we going to just... Ohana? Yeah. Is is Coco... You know, I find her obnoxious and obtrusive during my meal. So are we going (laughs) to get rid of that?
0: I don't know. I mean, again, we haven't really heard from Disney why they're doing it. So it could be more than just people who show up at the restaurant not liking it. Like, if it is a safety issue, if they've had more than one problem safety wise then complaints had nothing to do with this we just don't know
2: yeah i don't know it, it just seems weird it just seems very weird to me to just wipe this the slate clean even if it's a safety issue there's ways to adjust without having to just say oh we're done with it no more sorry yeah. folks
0: I do know of a lot of families and people who love this restaurant and make a point to go there every vacation because they enjoy it. I can't say any of them go for the food. They go for the antics. So I'm wondering, like, this basically will be the most boring restaurant on property at this point.
2: There, Even though people may be introverted, like Matt said, there's still a, a, a niche audience that would enjoy this sort of dining experience. And like I said, it's one restaurant out of literally hundreds on property. And it's not like it's even in a park where you have limited options because maybe I just have a ticket into that park. It's in a resort. So you you, you can go to a different resort. It's not that difficult.
0: Well, I'm going to stay tuned to this story because I just have a feeling that once they figure out their crap, all of this might come back. Like, I would not be surprised in the least if in a few weeks maybe things are a little different, but mostly it goes back to The way it was. It's just too soon.
2: I think we're going to get an explicitory rating on this episode because Derek's saying crap. I said bull snot. We're using some profanities. Hide the children, folks.
0: Yeah, well, listen, when you lose things that are important to you, you got to say what's on your heart. And believe it or not, we lost even more this weekend than Maleficent and Whispering Canyon.
2: My heart can't take it. What is it?
0: Well, this weekend, we officially had the last day of operations for the Talking Mickey at Town Square Theater. From now on, when you meet Mickey in the Magic Kingdom, he will not speak to you.
2: <laughs> He's, is, is it something we did, Mickey? Is it something I said?
0: <laughs> he has taken a vow of silence, mm. so please respect him.
2: Oh my gosh, if he started meeting in like a like a... Uh, a monk costume <laughs> that is <in> mickey's monastery <laughs> yeah
0: yeah <laughs> yeah so obviously you know a lot of guests are upset over this because that was a really cool kind of unique experience to walt disney world at least that was the only place you could meet a talking character and for them to take it away i think is pretty significant
2: did we ever get an explanation of this as far as why
0: I, th- I think we just ran into a lot of issues. In fact, last time I met him, I'm just remembering this, when I was there uh, in April for the Animal Kingdom thing, I met him and I got a fast pass for it, waited about five minutes, they took us to a room, and after standing in that room with him for 10 minutes, he left and we had to follow him like all the way around, back outside and back inside. And then we waited there for like 20 minutes, and then finally we were led back into the exact same room. So I think they run into a lot of problems with it. Uh, I think time-wise, it's not as fast as if you just met regular Mickey.
2: Wait, so, so Mickey led you outside?
0: Okay, when I say outside, I'm sorry, I meant we left that room and walked all the way in that back exit hallway, like all the way back through the lobby where they sell like all the magic bands there, and then back into the hallway and stood there for like 20 minutes. And Mickey was nowhere in sight. There was just a cast member talking to us. And then we went back into the room where Mickey
2: was. I see. That's weird. Maybe they had to like reset or something. Um, I can understand how there would be logistical problems, but this is not new. This has been here for for quite a few years, so I figured they would have the bugs sort sort of worked out.
0: Yeah, I'm always surprised though at how long the line for him has gotten recently. Like it's just constantly over 60 minutes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, I can see the logistical nightmares. It just seems like a step backwards to me, and I always get nervous when Disney takes steps backwards instead yeah. of forwards. It's like they they
1: they want... It's why I don't get excited for like things that they try to push as some sort of technological marvel anymore, because I know that something's going to mess up sooner or later, and they're just never going to fix it.
2: Yeah, it's going to catch on fire. It's just <laughs> going to stop working. <laughs> Or it's just going to take the take and suck the fun out of it. This has been a real downer episode thus far.
1: (laughs) I mean, like we were we were discussing um, Wheezy, the, the penguin animatronic. I mean, give it a
0: year and a half and it will not move anymore. I'm just calling it right now. I mean, based on that video they showed, he moves very little already. So that would be kind of pathetic.
2: Well, you remember, like, the, the, the Pixar lamp, the the Luxo lamp that, like, was out there for... And, the, and the, granted, they advertised that as, like, a temporary thing, but it was like, well, why can't that stay? But I'm sure it's because it breaks. <laughs> they were afraid it was going to break. And the same thing with, like, Mr. Potato Head back in the day. Like, he was pretty impressive, but if one little thing malfunctioned, like, he just froze. And then it would take, like, an hour for them to reset him and get him back working again, so... Obviously, with any innovation and any new technology, it takes a bit to get it working properly. But Disney has always been sort of ahead of the curve on those kind of things. So, again, it's painful to see them go backwards a step. And, well, Mickey's going to be not verbal anymore. Did you
0: guys see videos earlier this year? We didn't talk about it on the show. But in Disneyland, for a short time, they debuted Mickey Mini and Donald, where you could meet all three of them together, and all of them were talking. Did you see this like on Instagram and Twitter and stuff? No.
2: I don't remember that, no, but that's
0: amazing. The first video I saw was Guy Selgo, who's been on this show, and it was really cool. And he It was a short video, I think he posted it on Touring Plans, but all three of them were talking with him, and they were wearing kind of like summer outfits, like Mickey had on, like shorts and a t-shirt, I think. And, uh, and then they all gathered for a picture and, you know, said cheese or whatever. And so, yeah, this really does feel like a step backward w- when you think just when we thought we were advancing to more characters, we took one away.
2: Yeah, and is there any, like, talking characters at, uh, say, Universal or any other major theme parks? Vin uh, Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe he is a uh, robotic, it's, it's, but that, that's unconfirmed. Don't hold me to
0: that. Yeah, I I do not know that. But Mickey's the only one in Walt Disney World, right?
2: Well, the only one you can meet. But I'm thinking even in the shows, you know, because you have Timon over at Festival of the Lion King. You have, like you said, Minnie and Donald and Goofy, I believe, in the in the in the castle show.
0: And Daisy.
2: Yeah. So I I don't know. It, it just feels weird. I don't like the feeling. I feel icky. I feel dirty.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully Maleficent comes back soon. Hopefully Talking Mickey comes back soon. I'm not personally a fan of the antics, but for people who do love them, I hope it come, those come back soon as well. Uh, but until then, let's transition away from the news and let's stop talking about the things we've had to say goodbye to and instead talk about something that, knock on wood, probably isn't going anywhere anytime soon. In fact, one of the things we're about to talk about has been or is about to celebrate its 45th anniversary. Tom Sawyer Island opened in the Magic Kingdom on May 20th, 1973. And of course, it's surrounded on all sides by the rivers of America. So in honor of its 45th birthday, we're going to put the spotlight not only on Tom Sawyer Island, but on the entire Rivers of America area in this week's edition of Behind the Magic. Behind the Magic. Behind the
1: Magic is a regular segment we do in which we take a ride or attraction or land or or some some part of the, the parks and just give a little more detail about its history, about where it came from, why it's there, some of the design elements and some of the strategies or whatever behind uh, what has made it what it is. And then maybe just some little known facts about the experience that might heighten your experience of that attraction or show or whatever the next time you get to see it.
0: Yep, that's right. And uh, like I said, we are gonna focus on the rivers of America. And I think one of the uh, one of the reasons it's fun to talk about this area is that it's it's weird to say it's overlooked because it's such a big area and obviously if it were gone you would know this but I think it's overlooked in the sense that it feels like something you walk by rather than something you actively experience. Um, and so yeah, so let's, let's talk about the rivers of America. Um, of course these it's called the Rivers, because even though it technically is just a fake river inside Walt Disney World, it's supposed to represent several important rivers in America's history, namely uh, the Mississippi, which is where the Adventures of Tom Sawyer takes place, the Columbia River, the the Potomac, maybe the Hudson, the Rio Grande, a few of those. Uh, so it's called the Rivers of America. Uh, like I said, it, it opened with the park, but Tom Sawyer Island opened two years later in 1973. Uh, let, let's talk about the rivers first. Um, the, the main attraction that's on Rivers of America is the Liberty Square Riverboat. The boat itself is called Liberty, the Liberty Bell. It's a steam powered paddler wheeler. Uh, what are some of your favorite details about the, the Liberty Bell, the riverboat.
2: Well, when I think of the Liberty Bell, the first thing I think of is its size. Uh, it is a full-on huge boat that doesn't really uh, match the proportions of the river in which it travels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they they could have easily gotten away with a with a much smaller boat, considering that you don't really go too far on your journey. Um but they they spared no expense and went with a, a, a pretty large size paddle boat. Um which again I, I think is nice. Um, it's kinda cool when you're walking on the path there in Frontierland and the boat is taking its journey and you just feel very small compared to this giant paddle boat as it goes by.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's um I I don't know wh- when I discovered this, but it's it's interesting to note that it runs on a track, so um, you know there's there's no unless it just veers off track somehow, there's no unfortunate violent shipwrecks in the future, on the rivers of America unless uh, it runs into a raft to Tom Sawyer's Island, but it's on a it's on a, a track, um, and the track is hidden, and it's very much the way the Jungle Cruise track is hidden, as well by water that is artificially uh colored um but both by algae that makes it green but then there's added brown and green i think um nature friendly dyes that are added to the water just to hide the hide the track and all the mechanics of the boat underneath the
0: water right and so it looks like a real river in america and not like a swimming pool
2: it looks (laughs) like it's full of feces that is very accurate to the Mississippi. <laughs> it is.
0: It is indeed. I think it was the Mississippi, though, where I was. Uh, maybe it wasn't. I was on somebody' water that was brown, and our tour guide took a bottle of an empty bottle of water and dipped it in. And when he pulled it up, it was completely clear. And he was showing how the bottom, uh, like the uh, the mud along the bottom, was reflecting back up at you. That's not actually the color of the water. I thought that was interesting.
2: That's uh, probably not the Mississippi then. <laughs> well,
0: and it's not the Rivers of America. I think it's going to be straight up brown if you did that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, I, I
1: didn't realize how many people this boat could hold. Boat can hold 450 guests. It's got um, three decks on it. But does it, is the steam thing, I couldn't find this anywhere. Is the steam thing just a thing, like a kitsch, or does it actually run on
0: steam? That's interesting. I mean, the Disney, I think it's the official Disney website that calls it Steam Powered. But I know what you mean. It is on a track, so I don't know. I would guess the Steam really does power it.
1: Yeah, I just wonder, like, does the actual paddle on the back run off of Steam or is it being turned by something fake? It doesn't really matter. I like riding on the riverboat because I like the different vantage points. It gives you a frontierland and Liberty Square that you really don't get anywhere else um, except maybe some places on Tom Sawyer Island.
0: I mean, I would argue that is the main reason to ride it. Like, sure, you get to see the Native American village in the back with, like, stationary Native Americans. You get to see, like, the little stationary woodland creatures throughout. But for me, by far... The the highlight of the attraction is just getting those up-close views of Big Thunder Mountain as it goes by. Then when you come around the other side, you get to see kind of a unique angle of Haunted Mansion. You get to see all along Frontierland, that street there, and that, that little bridge walkway.
2: Uh, according to a couple of these unofficial Disney websites, they all seem to say that it is a real working steam engine.
0: There you go who can argue with those unofficial sites?
1: Yeah. Originally on the Rivers of America, um, the Liberty Square Riverboat was not the only uh, watercraft that you could uh, experience as an attraction. There were the Mike Fink kill killboats, um, which I vaguely remember when I was a child. Um, nothing very exciting here. It was like a double deck, like, um, a, like a two-story wooden-looking... It looked like a floating log cabin, to be honest with you. And there were TVs inside that played random Disney Western-y things. Um, I don't remember if we ever had the actual rowing canoes here at Disney World. Did we? Yeah, I think
0: we did, very briefly. Yeah. Uh,
1: And um, in addition to that was the Tom Sawyer... Island rafts which of course opened with Tom, Siler, Tom Sawyer Island so all this you know on the Rivers of America was to give it a wonderful uh, kinetic um, life that Walt had originally planned and was actually you know carried out at Disneyland in terms of the water transportation but also out at Disneyland you had the The actual uh, the mine train through Nature's Wonderland and then the covered wagons and the donkey rides and, you know, everything that was hustling and bustling around Frontierland that gave it that authentic frontier life. We only got part of that um, at Disney World when it opened and there was a big reason, a big reason for that.
2: What can I say about the Mike Fink boats? They still have these out at Disneyland. Is that correct?
0: No, they closed years ago. I, I think a couple of them toppled over.
2: <laughs> well what what were those boats that people were paddling in, Derek, when we were there?
0: If I mean they do have the canoes there that run seasonally, if that's what you're talking about.
2: That's something I'm, I'm glad we don't have those because that is exhausting. Yeah, like, those people are legit rolling those boats out there. And I'm like, no, I, no. I'm and you know people
1: me. don't listen. Left, laugh, laugh.
0: <laughs> or like half the boat's doing the work and the other half is just sitting there watching. Yeah, no thanks.
1: I mean, what do you say? You have to listen to me or we will legitimately die <laughs> when the riverboat hits us.
0: <laughs> I, But I think you nailed it when you talked about the kinetic energy of this area because I, I went to Walt Disney World several times without even going to Tom Sawyer Island without riding the riverboat. So really, for me, the Rivers of, of America was completely unexplored on those trips. And yet, I appreciated it because it is very visually engaging. I mean, especially at night, it's just beautiful. You see the boat going by. So I think it adds a lot to that park, even if you don't go experience the attractions.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, I handed it the fact that Disney World didn't get any of the land-based attractions that Disneyland got. Um, around the rivers of America because the original plan for the area that now holds Splash Mountain and Big Thunder Mountain at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom was planned for a massive indoor, outdoor uh, pirate-ish, like Pirates of the Caribbean type uh, dark ride slash water ride called the Western River Expedition. In fact, when Walt Disney World opened, you know we've talked about this before, there was no Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, because uh, for many reasons and they thought that um, this Western themed thing in Frontierland would probably go over better on the East Coast since you know people here were presumably you know used to stories about pirates in the Caribbean and that wasn't a big deal here but the West now that might have been a different thing um, so instead of nature's you know mine train through Nature's Wonderland and that's a stagecoach and the Native American village and all the things that Disneyland had we were going to have this immersive indoor um, dark ride literally on the land that is now occupied by Big Thunder and probably spark- partly Splash Mountain. And for many reasons, it just didn't happen. <laughs> and, and, and Big Thunder Mountain came uh, in 1979, 1980.
0: Somewhere around there. I can't remember.
1: I think 1980, 1981, uh, which was a Tony Baxter, you know, special that I'm thankful for, but uh, it could have looked a very different way than, than it does now.
0: Yeah, it's true. Okay, well, let's talk about Tom Sawyer Island then. So, this was added a couple of years after the park opened. You take rafts from Frontierland, sort of close to Big Thunder, like you're talking about, to Tom Sawyer Island. Uh, as we're talking about this, I just remembered I once heard a podcast who interviewed a cast member who had at one time been in charge of these rafts. And on one of her first days on the job, she got in trouble because she th- like there's a giant riverboat coming down the river and you're doing you're uh, controlling these rafts perpendicularly to the boat, you know, like you're crossing its path. And yeah. so they had they had to always be communicating with one another and make sure that they're leaving at the right times. And I guess there was some sort of mix up, and she went as the riverboat was coming through. So the riverboat had to come to like a complete stop, and it like messed up the whole schedule of everything. And anyway, I, I just found that interesting because you don't think about the fact that they really do have to put a whole lot of thought into when the rafts leave and when the boat leaves. But they do. So, all right, Tom Sawyer Island. Gotta say. Tom Sawyer Island, super underrated. I had not been there, or I didn't go there for years, and when I finally went, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I've been back since. Uh, Matt, you you had been there before I did. What do you like about it?
1: I like the fact that it feels like it's completely separated from the Magic Kingdom, but you're still in the Magic Kingdom, and there are wonderful... Uh, my main draw was, the the like I told you, the various vantage points. I mean, you can go and find wonderful photo um, places for the Big Thunder and the Haunted Mansion, just in places like when you see the pictures, you're like, where is this? And um, I love the dock um, that apparently used to have a restaurant or um, an an ice cream place after that, Aunt Polly's, but it's no longer there. There's just vending machines. Uh, But there are some wonderful rocking chairs there along the the river that look right over into Liberty Square and Frontierland. And um, if you're lucky enough, I guess you could get a rocking chair and enjoy the parade from a distance.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: It's just quiet and quieter than you would expect with children everywhere, but uh, certainly less frantic than the main theme park. I think it's a wonderful place just to get away and have a little break from all that without having to go back to a resort or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, Topsider Island is considered part of Frontierland. Is the and I guess the Liberty Square Riverboat is Liberty Square because it's called that. But I mean, really, the rivers of America are both, right?
1: Yeah, and I think that's part of the draw. If you, if you buy into the fact that, um, not the fact, if you buy into the view that's kind of put out there that um, Liberty Square, you know, is uh, represents the uh, the coastal Northeast at the the in in the colonial times, which it does. Um, and that seamlessly kind of feeds into the Western expansion of the United States. Then it makes sense to have, you know a steamboat that's traveling the uncharted waters of these rivers that represent America out into the wilderness, you know represented by Big Thunder Mountain and Frontierland. Um,
0: it's kind of tied together. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, now, Tom Sawyer Island has a lot of places to explore. Like, I really enjoyed walking along that barrel bridge that's very shaky. There are some really neat caves that put in, like, wind sound effects as you explore. But then you cross a bridge to get almost, to, I think it's to a second island, technically. And that's where Fort Langhorn is. And stay with me, but Fort Langhorn and that whole area back there in Tom Sawyer Island almost feels like a completely second island. Frontierland. Like you have the frontierland with Pecos Picos Bills Cafe and then Country Bear Jamboree and Big Thunder and all that. But then Tom Sawyer Island almost feels like if a, a quainter, like an, if a Knott's Berry farm, for instance, had a frontierland. Yeah. This is what theirs would look like. Places to explore and you see the blacksmith in his shop and get views of the river and.
1: And audio animatronic horses' rear
0: ends. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it's huge. It, it's crazy that it's all in the same park.
1: I love all the little hidden... Um, I guess they're not hidden. I mean, they're, they're right there, but they feel hidden. Uh, passageways and caves and things. I remember there being one around the, uh, the fort somewhere, right? There's like a stairwell that leads to a, a cellar,
0: and it comes... I know you can go upstairs. I know, I think you're right. I think it can go down and up.
1: I'll tell you, the first time I went here was maybe maybe three years ago, three and a half years ago, and I was blown away at just the, the size and the really just the newness of it. Like, if you've been going to Walt Disney World for a long time and never gone to Tom Sawyer Island, you need to go, because it really feels like experiencing a whole new side of the Magic Kingdom that's far less lame than I think you think it's going to be.
0: I agree. And there's something to be said about getting a break from the crowds. You know, like, stepping away from all the hubbub and fast passes and running around and waiting in line to get a bottle of water. And uh, it's so unique for a theme park to have such a large space cut out for what essentially looks like a natural environment. You know, waterways and lush landscaping and everything. And for a theme park, 40 years after opening, to still dedicate so much of its square footage to something like this... I think makes magic kingdom special
2: i would be curious to know why they chose tom sawyer as well um i know walt grew up in the midwest and as i did and so you hear stories of tom sawyer uh particularly being here in st louis and in missouri you know hannibal missouri where tom sawyer takes place is is kind of a big deal um but it is kind of a a random inclusion, at least to the park, or that it stayed this long, I guess, is more random to me than anything because you have Davy Crockett, which was a big deal in the 50s, and of course people were used to Tom Sawyer, but I'm genuinely curious how much uh, Tom Sawyer means to the pop culture of the day still.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Well, Mark Twain, well, a Mark Twain impersonator, narrates the riverboat, And he's also in American Adventure. So I'm just now realizing as we talk about this that Mark Twain shows up in two Disney World parks. Uh, Also, do you remember, and I know you're going to say yes, the Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Tom and Huck movie from the 90s?
2: Not only do I remember it, I watch it weekly. Uh, That's not true, but I do own a copy of it. And it was not only Jonathan Taylor Thomas, it was Brad Renfro. Uh, don't forget him as well, and uh, and what was her name? Played Becky Thatcher. Uh...
0: Oh, she was in "She's All That."
2: Yeah, Rachel something. Rachel
0: Lee Cook. Rachel Lee Cook. Rachel Lee Cook.
2: Yes, yes, yeah, yes.
0: Uh, well, what I was gonna say was Fort Langhorn has not always been called Fort Langhorn. It was called Fort Sam Clemens until the '90s Disney movie came out at which time they changed it to Fort Lanehorn because so many people were itching to get over there once that movie (laughs) came out. They're like, we gotta go to Tom Sawyer Island and see Fort Lanehorn now. But anyway. Uh, So Rivers of America, America. my takeaway is it's beautiful. I think it sets Magic Kingdom apart from other theme parks because it's a giant area that feels tucked away somehow. Uh, It still gives you the feeling like even though there are streets on the other side of those trees you feel secluded. And one thing we haven't talked about, I do I do like taking that walkway that runs along Frontierland with the water on one side and Frontierland on the other side. I think you get some great views there as well.
2: Yeah, one of these years I'll get over there.
0: Any other takeaways from the Rivers of America? In that case, let's do some eating around the world. For our latest dining review, I'm going to talk about a restaurant that I visited. It's actually been a couple months now since I was there, but I had dinner at Maria and Enzo's Ristorante. It's one of the newer restaurants in Disney Springs. Uh, we've talked about Pizza Ponte on this show, and I talked about the Edison on this show. Maria and Enzo's is sort of the third out of four restaurants in that little family of restaurants. It's situated right between Pizza Ponte and the Edison. It, the story of this restaurant is that Maria and Enzo are an Italian couple who immigrated to Central Florida in the 1920s. Uh, the story of Disney Springs is that this this town uh, turned a lot of old buildings into new things and has been revived. Basically, this building used to be an a, a seaplane air terminal. It has been abandoned, so now this couple, Maria and Enzo's, are converting it into a an Italian restaurant. So there you go, Maria and Enzo's. Now, Matt, you were with me when we stepped foot in this restaurant. Do you remember any of your first impressions?
1: Um, I was surprised at how large it was and and part of that is because I guess it has the kind of a hidden first level, you know, from the from the from the walkway, you don't anticipate that. and uh, it's it's quite expansive and open and pretty and elegant um, in that old fashioned kind of
0: way, yeah, I agree. When you enter, you're actually on the second story. And straight ahead of you, on the uh, so, like, you enter, you're on a sort of balcony, you look down, and you see the large dining room. And across from you, on the other side of the dining room, is this two story glass window that lets you look out over the water. So it's quite pretty in that way. And then the restaurant itself is decorated after like this retro airplane terminal. So it's got retro turn of the century. Posters for different locations around the country, around the world. Uh, the waitresses, the hostesses, and hosts are dressed as flight attendants, but like from a different decade. It's all very quaint. There, it's, it's like it's got an Art Deco feel, very whimsical. I I really like it. it it's I, the the sh- it's not a chandelier because there are no lights on it, but like hanging from the ceiling is this big sort of steampunk like. Globe. It kind of reminds me of something you'd see in the Daily Planet on a Superman movie or TV show. Uh, I I really like the feel of this restaurant, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to eat here, because I thought if the food matches the atmosphere, then great. So we did. We we got dinner here. Um, The first thing I have to say, and I think I mentioned this on a rant on a previous show. We all told our waitress when she asked what we wanted to drink. We said... Water is fine. Like, quote, we said, oh, water's fine. So she brought a bottle, and she poured us each, like, three fingertips high of water in our glasses. (laughs) And then put the remaining water, which is maybe a fourth of the bottle at that point, in the center of the table. I drank my water pretty fast, (laughs) topped myself off with the remaining water. And then later when we asked for more water, she said, oh, do you, do you want me to bring another bottle or or is tap okay? And as soon as she asked that, I knew what that meant, that we had just spent money on our water. So we all said, oh, please tap. Like I would kind of wish you'd asked us that at the beginning. We didn't say that. Uh, so she brought us tap water from then on. And then at the end, on my bill, I had a $6 bottle of water <laughs> charged to me. So if you go to Maria and Enzo's, Hot tip, just ask for tap water.
2: Okay, so, so here's the thing. I know that they're trying to be fancy smancy, and I appreciate that. But it is Florida, and it is a tourist destination. People need water to hydrate. So, yeah, this is a cloak and dagger thing that is not very uh, ethical in my, in my opinion.
0: They didn't even ask you? Well, now that you say that, I do remember she said, do you want sparkling or still? And we all said still is fine, not realizing there
2: was a third option. <laughs> we, tap. Want tap. <laughs> we want tap. We want
1: still from
0: the sink, please. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we would like the poverty water in the back, please. Exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> because,
2: like, you know, all they do is fill those still waters up with tap water when they're done. That's another way they get around. I've seen Slumdog Millionaire where they glue the cap shut.
0: Yeah, but um, <laughs> Orlando is one of the few places you cannot get away with that because Orlando water is nasty but anyway that
2: is true you right
0: yep uh so yeah so we got water uh i will say the uh the menu is not extensive at all there are exactly four pastas and exactly four entrees other than pastas so like chicken steak stuff like that so eight options basically of what to order so not quite as big as i would have expected or wanted uh but they did bring bread to start with and the bread was delicious and it came with i don't know if you've ever eaten at an italian restaurant that does this we have one here in nashville where this the um the spread for it is like a mixture of olive oil and some sort of white bean paste have you seen this no Okay. It sounds delicious. It, it's great. The first time we had it, there's a restaurant here in Nashville called Mirko, M-I-R-K-O. And they do this. And the first time they served it, I was I was like, what, what is that? It was like mashed beans in like a moat of, surrounded by a moat of oil. But it's quite delicious. It's, it's like mashed white beans or cannelloni beans maybe, I'm not sure. And it's mixed with like rosemary olive oil and you spread it on your bread very tasty. So that's what we got at first, and then of the entrees, the four of us ordered three different things. Uh, one of us ordered the spiral-shaped pasta with lump crab, cherry tomato, and parsley. It was twenty-six dollars. Uh, I took a bite of it. I liked the first bite, but this was Aaron, and his and his complaint was that it was very one-note. Like there was a very strong vinegar taste to it. And I, and I know what he means. Like, if I had to have eaten a whole plate of that, I think I would have been very tired of it by about halfway through. Uh, one of our friends ordered the spaghetti and meatballs, which was 25 So you think you have four pasta options, and one of them is spaghetti and meatballs. Like, you kind of see what I mean by a, a limited um, selection. But I got what sounded best to me, and it was the cheapest, too. Just fortunately for me, it was the classic Sicilian layered baked pasta with meat ragu, peas, zucchini, and cacio cavallo cheese, which is sort of, kind of tasted like provolone but a little softer in texture. This thing was so good. It came out came out in like the square ramekin that was just stuffed because it's basically a lasagna. And then along the top were these strips of zucchini that almost looked like they were trying to layer it with noodles, but instead of noodles, they used the grilled zucchini. And then it was topped with this baked cheese. And just so filling, so compact and delicious. It was $23. So for my meal, I would absolutely go again. I I liked pretty much everything about it. I I just... I don't know. I guess it's just like, well, Disney World has a problem with Italian restaurants, maybe? I still haven't been to one other than maybe Via Napoli, where I instantly think, I can't wait to come here again. I really liked it.
2: Now, is this the place that um, has the entertainment?
0: No, uh, the Edison next door has a very lively nightlife. I I don't know if that's what you're thinking.
2: Yeah, that's what I keep seeing some videos and things floating around the intro web. Yeah,
0: and they're all connected. Like it's just bing bang boom, these three restaurants all in a row. And this one's sort of like the middle ground. So you have your pizza ponte, which is just go up to the counter, grab a slice of pizza. Then you have the Edison, which has the entertainment, it has a very a darker atmosphere, candlelight, stuff like that. And then in the middle you have Maria and Enzo's, which is just a, a nicer table service restaurant. I think my takeaway is that if I'm looking for, if I feel like a good Italian meal with like sort of nicer, a nicer atmosphere, good service from the waiters and stuff, and then like a solid dish, which is what I got, I would come here again. Um, I just, as far as nicer Italian restaurants go, it's not going to be in my top favorites of all time or anything. So So
2: on a scale of um, Mama Melrose to 10.
0: uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Way above Mama Melrose. I I mean, are there any other Italian restaurants even in Disney Springs? I'm having trouble remembering. This might be the only one in Disney Springs.
2: What about, what about like Olive Garden? Is it, is it Olive Garden?
0: (laughs) I like Olive Garden, so it's hard for me to say. Uh, you don't get as much food as you do at Olive Garden, but I will, I mean, I, I gotta say that dish I ordered was, was really good. It's just, I probably wouldn't go back and order what Aaron ordered. And I probably wouldn't order the spaghetti and meatballs. So at that point, it's either what I ordered or one other pasta dish. So it's like, if I'm really craving that dish, I'll go back happily. But.
2: You know, what's a good, you know, what's a good a dish is, is lobster ravioli. Oh yeah. You're right. Is there lobster ravioli on this menu?
0: No, they did have seafood, but I want to say it was it was just like a, a filet of fish with a side, like it wasn't part of a pasta.
1: Just about 30 minutes south of Walt Disney World in the town of Lake Wales, there's a t- restaurant called Harborside that has a delicious crab and lobster Alfredo with big old chunks of lobster claw and crab meat um, for about $23. I would just
0: say go there. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Jeremy brought the seafood into this. It is not a seafood restaurant. So. No, I,
1: I just mean in terms of good quality Italian pasta with wonderful ingredients. Go there.
0: Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, so, so I'm not gonna say it's bad. Like, absolutely, go there if you're craving Italian. Um, but you know, just know what you're know what you're getting. I don't know
1: about paying the. Uh, 20 anything for pasta. I just I just don't like the idea. No,
0: you're right. $23 does not sound like a bad price for a nicer meal, but when you think it's just a simple pasta dish, yeah, it was a little overpriced, for sure. Especially after the $6 water.
2: <laughs> Do they have pizza there? Because, let me mm-hmm. tell you, the Unos, right outside of the gates, right at <laughs> the Springs, has... Oh, man, that pizza there.
0: That's worth take-a-lay. leaving...
2: That's that's worth leaving property for. It's just go somewhere else to eat.
0: That's the takeaway from this. Well, see that, but that's the thing. Like, I think this restaurant could have a lot to gain by adding two or three flatbreads to the menu as an option, and a couple salads. Like, y- people make fun of Olive Garden, but I do really like their salad. The fact that you can begin your meal with a salad, and if they had that as like a seven or eight dollar option, like a family style salad, that would really amp up my opinion on this. Well, entree
2: should come with a salad.
0: Or that, yeah.
2: And when you're at Olive Garden, you're family, and that's hard to compete with as well.
0: Yeah, Maria and Enzo, they didn't make me feel like family while I was there. Charged you for water. Exactly.
2: (laughs) My family does that. (laughs) Bunch of
0: crooks. Everybody there was super helpful, like I had no complaints about the service or anything. Um, Yeah. I just, Disney Springs is packed with good options right now. And Maria and Enzo's is not going to crack my top five, probably. So there you go. Maria and Enzo's. Chatters, we like learning things about Walt Disney World. And maybe the only thing we like more than learning things is learning things and then telling others what we have learned. Because it's fun fun going to the parks with new people and being able to drop some knowledge about uh, some of the hidden secrets, some of the Easter eggs at the parks we love. And that's what we're going to do on this week's show. There's no structure, really. To this episode, we are just going to share some of our absolute favorite fun facts about the parks we love. Many of these you've probably heard. If so, you know, share it. Don't forget. Just pass on the love. Don't be afraid to share them with other people. And hopefully we're going to drop some that you have not heard. And next time you go to the park, you'll be able to look out for these or you'll, you'll be able to stop someone and um, annoyingly share these fun pieces of information. So, let's do it. Let's just get right to it and list some of these facts we have prepared. Matt, start us off.
1: Oh, did I get to start us off? I'm going to go for the gold here. Uh, there, <laughs> <laughs> of all the facts at Walt Disney World about Walt Disney World that people throw around, they're like, did you know, did you know this? Um, there are no... Technically, there are no underground tunnels underneath the Magic Kingdom. Did you know this? I say this to people like, no, I saw it on TV. I'm like, yes, you did. But there are tunnels underneath the Magic Kingdom, but they are not technically underground. Known as Utilidors, they were created to be quote-unquote underground passageways for cast members to get... To their jobs from one land to the other without violating the integrity of the theme of one land or another and so this whole highway of uh, utilidor type tunnels underneath the Magic Kingdom gets them from one place to the other but what makes them not underground is that they were actually made from um, let me say it this way Seven Seas Lagoon is completely man-made in front of Magic Kingdom. The entire lagoon, and you can hear that on the ferry boat, the man-made Seven Seas Lagoon, dug out over the course of three years to make this lagoon. The um, dirt and land that was excavated from that area became the foundation of what we know as the Magic Kingdom. And the park exists as we know it on what they call floor two. Floor one which is technically not underground, is where you can find these utilitors. So that's uh that's an interesting little piece of information for me. So you get you get a little twofer. Not only are there tunnels underneath the Magic Kingdom, but you can also be the guy that corrects the people that says they're underground tunnels because they're not.
0: Well I'm going to piggyback off that because when we rode the railroad uh during my last trip and we had that tour of the the, the steam engines We rode the railroad, and as we passed Adventureland, there's like a sort of concrete section that you cross over, and he was explaining to us that that is exactly where the Pirates of the Caribbean boats... where the drop takes place. Because if you remember, I mean, you even mentioned it in this show that Pirates of the Caribbean was not open when Magic Kingdom opened. Like, they had not really created space for that ride specifically. And so most of the show building for Pirates of the Caribbean is located outside the the original borders of the park. Like, if you think the railroad was the original border of the park, now they've added Pirates of the Caribbean, which, as you said, is starts on level two, technically, and then just where that railroad crosses over Adventureland, that's where the drop is, and it takes you down to level one, so that you're equal with the Utilidors at that point. And then most of the scenes you see for Pirates of the Caribbean are on the other side of the railroad tracks down below on level one. So, yeah, pretty interesting geographically speaking of <laughs> where all that takes yeah. place.
2: Uh, my f- first fun fact this is something I always like to point out to people uh, when you're riding Winnie the Pooh, and that is the attraction used to have, or the house used to hold the attraction, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. And so there's a fun portrait when you go into Owl's house there directly to your left. And there's a picture of Toad handing over the deed to Owl, which is sort of a, a fun tongue-in-cheek way of uh, remembering the former attraction uh, in the current state. And I think it's really kind of fun, too, especially considering how people lost their minds when Toad left in, what, 1997, 98-ish? Um, and there were sit-ins and <laughs> everything to protest <like, laughs> Toad leaving. Uh, so in one way, you could say, wow, that was a slap in the face to them. But on the other, I choose to look at the more positive way of saying that's, that's a nice way to commemorate the former attraction.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love when attractions do this all the time now. And I love it. Like Frozen Ever After in the... or No, no, no. The Royal Summer House where you meet Anna and Elsa. In the queue, there's that little tapestry hanging on the wall. And it has the three trolls from Maelstrom. So in both yep. cases they said in your face we don't care we're still closing the attraction but <laughs> he added these little nods to the old attractions.
2: Well, yeah. to me it's like it's like we're moving forward, but we're going to remember our past. We're remembering where we came from.
1: Yes. While you're on um, um, uh, Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, the other the other one I like is in the tree house uh, piglet's tree that's out front. There's an engraving on the inside. It's kind of a natural-looking carving inside, like the wood itself, that resembles the Nautilus from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. That one's interesting because uh, that play area, the 100-acre, whatever they used to call it, playground, (laughs) used to be on the other side, um, taking up a portion of what was formerly the 20,000 Seas Lagoon before New Fantasyland came. And when that happened, they moved all that, well, not all of it, they moved piglets, uh, tree across the way to become part of the queue, but that Nautilus uh engraving is still there.
0: The Nautilus is, is still in New Fantasyland too. In the queue for uh Under the Sea Journey, Little Mermaid, whatever <laughs> long title that attraction has in the rock work, uh the Nautilus is carved into that as well. So My question is do you think Star Lord will say Stupid Judy, stupid energy?
1: I
2: guarantee
0: something. If he doesn't,
2: happen. I will Burn that place down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I really wonder what kind of nod they'll put in that ride.
2: Um, You know, the thing too is these are kind of fun little things that even if you're not like a huge Disney encyclopedia of knowledge, you can still point out these little things and really impress people with them.
0: Yeah. Um, When we rode Space Mountain with our friend Courtney, who was on the show, she is formerly she she worked attractions when she first came to Walt Disney World and her attraction was Space Mountain and one of the cool things she pointed out to us which I don't know why I I had not noticed it like it's it's clearly visible to every guest who rides Space Mountain but as you first walk in and there there's the ball pit underneath you (laughs) which she could not explain uh there is a sign ahead of you that says Starport and then beside it it just looks like a lot of words, honestly. Like, it's small print, and they're just stacked one on top of the other. But it says Active Earth Stations. And it's actually a list of all the space mountains throughout the world. So it says Tomorrow, Tomorrowland Station MK1. So the first one was Magic Kingdoms. Uh, below that it says TL Space Station 77, which means the one in Disneyland came in 1977. Then there's Discovery Landing Station-Paris-Ashida Base in tokyo And then HK Spaceport E-TKT, which I think is a reference to E-Ticket, in Hong Kong. And she joked that her theory for why there's no Space Mountain in Shanghai is that they'd have to add to the sign. And they don't want to do that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a good theory.
0: (laughs) It's solid, yeah.
1: There isn't a Space Mountain in Shanghai, though, right? Right, there's Tron. Yeah.
0: So, there you go. So, yeah, look out for that sign next time, You, of course, you the people behind you will be mad because you're stopping and reading it, but,
2: you know,
0: who cares? Go around!
2: I have this little red thing. I have to get to the front.
1: Yeah. Jack up the wait time. Um, I found this one interesting looking up some, you know, just different fun facts that I might not even know, and that is, um, the Magic Kingdom originally, uh, the parking lots were named after the Seven Dwarves. Um... But they never used the name Dock. You want to just take a stab at why they didn't use Dock?
0: Oh, Lot Dock. Um, Because it sounds like a boat dock?
1: Yeah, uh, the signs for the parking, they didn't want people to be confused with the the signs pointing to Dock uh, and think that that's where the boat dock was and people get lost and wind up in the parking lot. Um, they may not know the difference between d o c k and d o c, but I thought that was interesting. I think I vaguely remember the Seven Dwarves being really the parking when i was when I was smaller, but I think they did that before they changed the heroes and villains thing in the late uh late nineties.
0: yeah, I mean, can you imagine a time when only six lots were enough? like how many are there now? twelve I think.
1: Yeah, well, I think that they um, they coupled them. If I can recall, I mean, the parking has always been large. And I think maybe it was just like two whole sides. Like what would now be villains and heroes was, you know, that whole section was happy or grumpy or something like
0: that. <laughs> Where'd you park? Happy. Parked yeah, happy. in the happy lot. It's interesting.
2: Another fun fact that I always enjoy sharing with people is right there at the Fountain of Nations, at Epcot. I always think it's fun to share about how on opening day or thereabout, I'm not exactly sure of the timeline, but they invited representatives from different countries from all over the world. And with them they brought little samples of various uh, seas and rivers and waterways and whatever um, from their homelands and ceremoniously kind of dumped them all together into this fountain to represent the unity of all the waters in the world. And, uh, you know, I just think that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I do too. In fact, that I always think of that fact because I know I learned it from you. And I, as I was doing research, I was trying to find fun facts related to that. Not that specifically, but like other fun facts of when the parks opened, what they did to make it special. And I couldn't find anything quite as fascinating as that one, where they really had, I mean, that takes forethought, you know, to get all this water and be like, okay, when the park opens, this is what we're going to
2: do. Totally. And uh, I think there's a video on YouTube as well that you can watch of the opening and all these people kind of lined up around the fountain, dumping their various waters together. Beautiful.
0: Of course, we all know Hidden Mickeys are a thing. Um, What?! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, cast members nowadays basically just like straight up point them out to you if if they are they think you look bored or if you're a child or whatever. I did just want to go ahead and give my favorite, and I'll give you time to think about it if in case you want to share your favorite as well. Uh, but one of my one of my favorites is simply my favorite because we just discovered it recently, and our Kilimanjaro sa- safaris driver pointed out that the little island where the flamingos all. F- Flock. <laughs>
2: <laughs> stay. Shaped,
0: that's where they stay. Yeah, that's where they uh, they they play together. Uh, they it's shaped like Mickey. So when you look at the little Rockwork Island there, it's it's a Mickey Mouse head. That's
1: your that favorite. Is one...
0: <laughs> it's probably not my favorite of all time, but it's one that of the ones I've heard a billion times. Like, yes, I know there's a hidden Mickey there. This was one that was new to me.
2: Well, and this is one that's very obvious as well. Um, some of these hidden Mickey sightings, it's like, eh, I'm not seeing a Mickey. Eh, that's just a circle. That's just a circle and it kind of half of a circle. And I don't even know where you got the third circle at, but okay. Uh, yeah, this one is very clearly, hey, that's Mickey. Yeah.
1: My two favorites are No More. And they were both in MGM, Hollywood Studios. Uh, one was on the Great Movie Ride in the gangster scene. Um, a n- un- non-traditional Hidden Mickey in that it was just his feet and part of his tail that you could see below um, one of the posters for a movie in kind of the underworld gangster scene as you were coming into it. The other was the largest Hidden Mickey ever, which a portion of it still remains, and that was from an overhead view of old MGM Studios. Um, using the Chinese theater and colored concrete in the hub area, and then colored rooftops on some of the buildings surrounding uh, that main hub area, it actually created a ginormous hidden Mickey. And you can go Google this and see old pics of it before, obviously, lots of the buildings changed and concrete changed and things changed. But the whole thing was there, and it was a, cl- a classic Mickey with the just the, the round black eyes. Um, but... That was that was the coolest one to me. Yeah. Um, let's talk about concrete.
0: <laughs> the cracks.
1: Yeah, the crack. No, uh, Disney World puts a lot of thought, um, at least these days, into theming the concrete to various areas. Uh, um, you can see, you know. Uh, 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 not train tracks but like wheel tracks and hoof marks and um, horseshoe prints and peanuts and things and storybook circus and no matter where you go you can see these kind of additions but even the color of the concrete in some areas makes for uh a kind of visual appeal that, that disney did on purpose um back in the days of the disney kodak uh partnerships as they were creating, um, are thinking through future world, Epcot, and things like that. Uh, pink concrete, which you can see all through Epcot's World Showcase, pink concrete was the go-to because it created, it made for warmer, more vibrant uh, photographs with with people. I remember this fact from the tour I took in the late '90s, and it was the first time, honestly, I had ever even noticed the different colored concrete. But, and they can theme it to different things like a cooler grayish blue in Tomorrowland. Um, of course, we've advanced all the way to the thing where we're ingraining stuff in the concrete these days. But just look down because no matter where you are, there's a story to be told or there's a different feel that's coming
0: even from the the color of the concrete beneath you.
2: And also look down because you might trip and fall.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I I have two things related to that. A, I, yes. Yes. I, I totally agree. <laughs> well, no. Even pre-A, this is A, A-A. Uh... Yes, I agree with you. I love how much thought is given to the ground, the pavement, the floors. Um, A, <laughs> some of my favorite examples of this are in Storybook Circus, not only the peanuts and stuff, but when you go inside Big Top Souvenirs, the floor looks like grassy turf on the outside. And then once you get to where they actually actually sell the food items, it looks like canvas. So it's like it looks like it's stitched up. Like, hand-sewn, and it's a canvas tent below you, which I think is really cool. And also in Country Bear Jamboree, I like how there are bear claw marks all over the wooden floor when you first walk into the waiting room for that attraction. Um, but B, the red sidewalks on Main Street USA. I did not realize this, but, like, Disney's officially, official story that they tell you on tours is that the idea of walking into the Magic Kingdom is like going to the movies. So you walk under the train station and you see the posters on either side of you of coming attractions or the attractions or whatever, the movies that are present there. And then when you get to Main Street, you see the names on the windows, which are sort of like the credits. Uh, For the movie. But then before that, you walk on these red sidewalks, and their story is that this is like the red carpet that you're walking on on your way to this movie premiere. Which I thought, like, that's sort of believable. You know, I can run with that. But the official story of why the sidewalks are red, Imagineers have said that basically what you said about the pink is that the red sidewalks look good in pictures. Like, it's vibrant. It contrasts with the grass once you get to the hub and with the with, with everything else that you see. Red stands out the most and just makes for the, the best photographs. So there you go.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, just a, um, a more clear picture of where to walk. <laughs> walk here. I mean, the middle of the road, obviously, is the kind of the tarmac. Uh, uh, what do you call it? The uh, asphalt, not tarmac. Um, it's asphalt uh in the middle of main street (laughs) but uh around the around it it's like okay it's it's good to walk here like it draws your attention to that as a walkway
0: well that's true i mean for safety issues to it's easier to see there's a step up if it's a different color so
2: yeah let me tell you i uh was at a park this past weekend i don't want to say it's a non-disney park Uh, i don't want to say the name of the park Uh, but it's, it's more than five, but less than seven. If if, uh, that gives you a little bit of a hint (laughs) and there's things that blow in the wind (laughs) and, uh, and the whole park is blacktop. And I'm like, listen, this is a bad idea because it's already 90 degrees. And with this blacktop, it's 125 degrees. And don't tell me that this is a new thing because this park has been here since the seventies. And it's still blacktop? No. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) So Disney definitely has thought a little bit ahead of that. Yeah. Um, My next fact has to do with hidden things as well, going back to two facts ago. But it's not hidden Mickeys. This time it's a hidden key. And uh, that is at Muppet Vision 3D. At least it was. I'm sure it's still this way. That when you go into the entrance, as soon as you walk in the door there is a ticket booth to your right now sometimes this is blocked by the door being opened or there's sometimes a cast member will stand there but if you look it looks like a ticket booth that you would see at like an old run down theater but no one is at the window in fact there's a sign that says they're out and they'll be back in five minutes key is under the rug or under the mat and there happens to be a mat right there and if you lift up the mat sure enough there is a key under that mat, which I think is just a super fun detail. Um, and again, fun to show first-timers uh, that the joke n- not only lands, but it, it it's worth the taking the time to stop for a few seconds.
0: I think you could spend an hour at that attraction without even seeing the show and still not pick up on all the gags. That are in, that are outside the building. Like I know, there's that wall near the gift shop, that, or that used to have the paint running down the side as if someone had spilled paint. Uh, there's the uh, there's the net full of Jello in the queue, which is a nod to a net There's the the board out front with like all the workers' names and where to find them. It's gosh, that queue is loaded
2: with gags. Plus the portrait of Jim Henson as a Muppet hangs in the rafters of the queue, which is always fun to point out to people as well.
0: Taking us back to the Magic Kingdom, one of my favorite little details that often goes overlooked, uh, in Tomorrowland, it's those trees, those metallic trees. And I've always just liked them in general, how they look, but I didn't realize until recently that they have a story. So the store that you, when you exit space mountain you end up in that store over there that's close to the walkway by storybook or yeah by storybook circus that building says tomorrowland light and power company and the story is that these trees absorb solar energy and they store it in their little coconuts like if you look they have these little glowing um spheres that are the aka or the uh, quote unquote coconuts and that's how they store the energy and then the power company harvests the coconuts and uses it, to or they use the energy to power Tomorrowland. So, like, there's this continuous story between the building over there and the trees. Now, obviously, the trees don't really absorb energy, and the light and power company does not exist and therefore does not harvest the energy. But there you go. I think I end every fact with, there you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you well, go. It's says something you didn't know before, so put
2: that in your pipe and sit on it. <laughs> Well, that that is an interesting little storyline, but I don't know. It's, it it seems kind of it's one of those storylines where people are like, "Oh, <laughs> okay." <laughs> Cause, I liked it because it's a very
0: Tomorrowland thing. Is to even the trees absorb energy because they're fake and they were built by man.
2: True, but I let me blow your mind even more and tell you this: that even real trees absorb energy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Uh, (laughs) yes. Called sunlight and chloroform and photosynthesis. Photosynthesis.
1: (laughs) God help us.
2: So, mind blown
1: today. Yes. (laughs) Uh, My mind was genuinely blown a couple months ago when I um, went to the newly opened Hall of Presidents uh, and kind of paid attention to the person talking in the lobby for the first time, really, ever, and uh, he said something and I just uh, verified it today. Just, I mean, I knew he was, t- I thought he was telling the truth. I just wanted to make, be sure it was as special as I heard him say. And it is. And that is in the lobby, the waiting area of the Hall of Presidents. Um, you will see the presidential seal, the seal, the great seal of the United States, um, in, uh, woven into the, 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 the carpet and there's a rail around it so the idiots don't, you know, trample on it. Um, It is only one of three um, such seals in the world, one being in the Oval Office, the other being in Liberty Hall. I think it's Liberty Hall where the Liberty Bell is in Philadelphia. Um, And this is one of them in the Hall of Presidents. And it took an official act of Congress to approve... Of that seal being incorporated into that area. Oh. Wow. Yeah. So,
2: so idiots can trample all over it in the White House, but not at Walt Disney World. That's what you're saying, right? Hey, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. No, that is a fun fact. Uh, and, and that is something to, that like you said, it is a big deal that I think goes very overlooked by people that uh, an act of Congress to put something on the carpet. Can you yeah. imagine? Yeah, that's cool. It's like a a Baptist business meeting. (laughs) Uh, My next fun fact I actually learned today when I was going over fun facts to share with you all. And I thought this was interesting. And that is in uh, Expedition Everest, in that sort of area of Asia uh, at Animal Kingdom, you'll notice that some of the buildings have stacks and piles of wood on the roofs. And according to uh, culture over there around Everest and Nepal and, what is that, India, um, the higher elevation, obviously, the less trees that you have. So not only do they they store wood for uh, on the roof for their own use in the home, but the more wood that you have is also a sign of wealth. And so some of the homes have, obviously more wood than others. Uh, so that was a way to show that you are wealthy. And I thought that was very interesting.
0: That is interesting. Something Joe Rody would have thought of, for sure. Totally. Did you know that for Rock and Roller Coaster, Disney started building the coaster, wanted a band to be part of it, and so they first approached... Do you know who?
2: I do know who. Now, listen, I, this was one of my fun facts. So... I want to know who your source was, because my source was Jim Hill, but I read another thing that I didn't trust, and so I I trust Jim Hill Media over this other source. But go ahead.
0: What I've heard is that it was the Rolling Stones.
2: Okay, that's what I heard too. The other source I saw said that it was U2. And so I no. thought that's weird, but no, I I heard Rolling Stones, yes.
0: Yeah, I've never I've never heard the YouTube thing, but it's funny to me that they had already started building this, and they were like, "We should get someone to star in it and pay for it." And so, well, not really pay for it; it's actually the opposite. They needed to pay the band to star in it, and Rolling Stones' asking price was just too much. And so, uh, Steven Tyler said, "I'll do it. <laughs> you don't need to pay me as much as the Rolling Stones. I'll do it."
2: Well, I think, too, one of the things that I was reading was that Aerosmith was already sort of connected to the company at this point because they were in negotiations and had been signed by Touchstone to do the song for... Um, Armageddon. Armageddon, yeah. So there was already sort of an in there, and they were like, hey, wow, well, we got you. But think about how different that attraction would be with the Rolling Stones than Aerosmith. Because Aerosmith, to me, is like very American and very... Um, more, more pop y if that makes any sense, than Rolling Stones, which I put on the level that's like above pop culture. They're on the same plane to me as like the Beatles. More iconic, I guess, is the word I would use. So instead of riding it uh, to walk this way or dude looks like a lady, you'd be riding to uh, I can't get no satisfaction, paint it black. Those are the only two. Rolling Stone songs, I know.
0: (laughs) Uh, Would Mick Jagger be in the pre-show saying, I love that idea?
2: Yeah, I love that idea. I bloody love that idea. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Not
2: like that. For our listeners, I did the the symbol. Shocker.
0: Yes. (laughs) And for our listeners, he was trying to do a British accent there. Yes. (laughs)
2: Yes, (laughs) that came across. And uh, uh, Keith Richards, you know, I mean, who was in, of course, Pirates of the Caribbean. So there's a Disney tie there that we could talk about. Hmm. And Keith Richards, who I think died 20 years ago as well, but is still living
1: somehow. Like, like, uh, like. Well, I was going to say the Pope, but that was Pope Benedict.
2: <laughs> all the uh, all those drugs and and, and liquors uh, preserved him, much like the Pope. <laughs> so, <laughs> 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 Dang it, Derek. You took one of my good ones there. Oh, uh, sorry. Because I honestly never heard that until recently. Oh, okay. I, it, when
0: I read it, I, I sounded familiar. Um, I, I did like I started my list with ones that I loved, like I remembered because I remembered how impressed I was when I first heard them, or how just surprised I was, I guess. But looking, gosh, it was so hard to find new ones because some of these lists, y'all, the one, the one I came across that was, I, I, it was so promising. It said. Disney facts that even die hard Disney fans won't know. And the first one was like employees are called cast members. <laughs>
2: I yeah, was it's like, like he's oh, no. stupid.
1: Like and the my my favorites were the um it was actually an apartment built for Walt in the Cinderella Castle thing. Oh, um, no. No. Alright. Wrong. There are currently twelve country pavilions at World Showcase. Um, and there were a, and it looks like it you know, that's a lot of countries, and you look f- you know, from a distance and it looks pretty full. Wait,, uh,
0: but there were there are eleven. I mean unless you're counting Africa,
1: oh, I'm sorry, I was counting the international gateway. <laughs> oh. there are eleven. Oh, no, Africa, you're right, no, 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 it's it's eleven, you're right. um, and from a distance, you know, from the the panorama, it looks like it's full, but there's actually a lot of room for expansion. Um, There were originally eight uh, places that could house um, different country pavilions. I think one of those has been taken away with the expansion of Norway um, with the frozen stuff. So I think there's only seven now. And there have been lots of rumors in the past uh, as to this various country coming here and coming here. Um, Can you name three that were actually advertised in um, 1982, at the opening of Epcot, as in, look for these coming soon. Um, Greece is that one of them? It is not. Israel. Israel was one. Spain. Spain is another. Russia. Now the other one's hard. It's not really a country at all. Africa. We kind of yeah, we kind of have it. It's Equatorial Africa. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so these were originally on the, the some of the opening day, uh, I don't know if it's in like souvenir books or in opening day maps or what have you, but these were ones that were advertised. Um, other ones throughout the years that have been rumored.
2: How was, white of Disney.
1: Yeah, Equatorial. Equatorial
2: Africa, just, it's all the same.
1: Yeah, um, and the ones that have been rumored, uh, Sweden, Switzerland, I think, one of the two, Um. Russia which you said Brazil, which was a big-time rumor a few years ago.
0: I mean, it's it's currently a rumor still.
1: Brazil is. All those have been thrown around, but these these had official logos and
0: everything. Now, I've seen concept art of a USSR slash Russia pavilion, and it's beautiful. Like, it's this gorgeous palace with this big courtyard out front.
2: Man, I would love to see in the Russian one, too, like, one of those um, ice bars – but make it like an iced vodka bar. Oh, that'd be awesome. Have you seen those like in Vegas where like the whole bar is made of ice and it's like 30 degrees and they even give you a little coat that you can wear while you're inside. Huh. And uh, Yeah. There's like there. ice hotels. I
0: was going to say, uh, Gaylord Opryland does that.
2: Yeah. No, I mean I, like yeah. hotels where you can stay oh. that are made of ice. Mm, that's too much. But, but maybe just, just a, little, <laughs> a little iced vodka bar. That'd be awesome.
0: One of these days, we're going to get another pavilion. Like, I haven't seen it in my lifetime. <laughs> in le- I, well, actually, I say that, but Norway might have been 88? It was 88, Okay, yeah. so technically it's been in my lifetime. <laughs>
2: you were you were just one year <laughs> yeah, old. <laughs> believe
0: it or not, I don't remember that. So, come on. Come on, Disney. One more. Yeah. Um. Okay, here's one. I want to go back to Pirates of the Caribbean. Because... This has to do with this whole new redhead scene. and This was something that... It was Mark Willard who tweeted about this. Jason Sorrell, I'm sure you've heard that name, is an Imagineer. And he wrote a book about Pirates of the Caribbean years ago. That's not in print anymore. In which he interviewed several of the Imagineers who worked on it. And in light of the whole controversy with the redhead... Becoming one of the pirates, and the scene being changed after you know fifty some years of it being in the attraction of the old of the old scene being in the attraction. There is this quote from Jason's book that a few people tweeted. I saw it on Mark's Twitter, and I wanted to read this. Um, Exotencio couldn't have chosen a better scene for his writing debut, considering its questionable and potentially potentially inflammatory basic conceit. Innocent women getting bound up and sold off to the highest bidder. It doesn't take much to figure out what the pirates are actually doing in the scene, but Atencio tried to soften the impact as much as he could through the dialogue, and in this case, a very clear signal, literally a sign. This is ex-Atencio's quote. He said, We made a big banner, auction, take a winch for a bride, At the auction scene, to get the point across that these guys weren't, quote, taking advantage of the ladies, they were auctioning them off to be brides. Walt came in one time and even said, This will be alright, won't it? (laughs) That's what Claude Coates said. Quote, He was just a little doubtful of auctioning off the girls. Was that quite Disney or not? We added some other signs around, buy a bride or something like that, that augmented the auction scene as though it was a special big event. Mark Davis had done some drawings of the other girls who were tied up and shivering. The way the girls were done, it's not an offensive scene at all, but it probably could have been if it hadn't been handled in an interesting way. Um, and they talked, he talks about um, a bit more how they were worried that none of this would be, quote, Disney. They, they were concerned that guests might perceive them essentially to be celebrating violent criminals dedicated to the pursuit of wine, women, and song. So it's just funny to me that even Walt... And the Imagineers had concerns going into it, but they thought that they had created enough other scenes that let you know that it was a tongue-in-cheek thing, that this scene wouldn't be problematic.
1: See, we think we're becoming more sophisticated, but we're actually becoming dumber.
0: (laughs) At the time, they thought people would get it, and now we're like, people just don't get it. People don't get it, no. Well,
1: and... It, it, ah, I, we move on, we move on. Yeah,
0: I mean, I didn't want to get into the controversy. I just think it's it's funny that we have a record of Imagineers saying that when they built it, they were aware of all of these things. Yeah. You know, this controversy would not surprise them if they were alive today hearing about it. As
1: long as they're getting married, though, and they're not shacking up.
0: That's what that's what the reasoning was. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny, too. It's for a bride, you guys. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, one that we've mentioned here lots of times. I like this one, um, and that is on the dinosaur ride, in the um, the queue. It's the very last portion. It's where you're about to load onto your time rover, coming down the steps. Uh, you see uh, three different colored pipes above you that are red, yellow, and white, and on them is a lengthy uh like compound like chemical stuff and it's actually the makeup of ketchup mustard and mayonnaise a little further backstory is that when countdown to extinction opened which was what dinosaur was called prior to being called dinosaur with park opening in 1998 it was sponsored by mcdonald's which made that a little more appropriate but even still it's fun that it's that it's there
0: yeah, you need to start with that when you tell people this fact, because when you walk in and you're like, do you see the red, yellow, and white pipe? Those are the chemical formulas for mustard, mayonnaise, and ketchup. Then it's like, but but why? <laughs> it's still funny. I don't think it has to have the McDonald's connection to be funny. Well, no, it's still funny, but I, my first thought would be, why, why are there formulas for those <laughs> condiments in an attraction for dinosaurs?
1: They
2: like their condiments in um. the food bar. <laughs> I think it's pretty well known that Triceratops enjoyed a good honey mustard. Yeah. Uh, My next fact is uh, one that I always like to point out to people as well, and that is that the Tower of Terror, and I believe Expedition Everest, but definitely Tower of Terror, was built to be 199 feet tall. And the reason why it was built to be 199 feet tall was because according to the state of Florida... If a building or structure is 200 feet tall or above, there has to be a red blinking beaker light for air traffic on top of it. And so they built it right up there to the point that they didn't need a red beaker in order to uh, break the illusion that this was an old abandoned uh, motel or hotel, rather, that had not been uh, used in years and years and years.
0: Yeah, it's like an in-your-face. We're we're not going to put that red blinking light on our building.
2: Yeah, and I understand, you know, we still live in the real world. And case in point this past week with the Maleficent float um, catching on fire, that that real world problems still happen. So public safety is always a priority. It is kind of disheartening to me, though, in the middle of an attraction. If you're kind of caught up in the moment, you have the exit sign that all of a sudden is blinking in your eyeballs. Or, (laughs) you know, the the emergency firelight, you know, smoke detectors or whatever are there. Um, yeah you know, it's kind of hard to, to to accept those sometimes, but if Disney does everything they can do to keep safety at its as its priority but also not break the illusion, I appreciate that
0: mm. uh, Matt earlier you mentioned a fun fact from the great movie ride uh, the uh the Mickey shoes that pop out from under the poster. One of my favorite facts that we used to sh- that I used to share with people was that half of the plane or the half of the plane that's in the Casablanca scene is part of the same plane that is in Jungle Cruise. But now I'm wondering, A, I can't tell that fun fact anymore, so what fun fact (laughs) am I going to replace it with? And B, where did the other half of the plane go? they got to put it somewhere so I can still share this fun fact with people.
2: Uh, You're going to have to go down to the Orlando uh, scrap metal yard and you can share (laughs) your fun fact (laughs) there.
0: To the auction. Don't say that. The pirate auction? Is that in Pirates now? Yeah, it's <laughs> one, more PC. One of the people is, like, dragging half a plane up to the auction.
1: We just got to the point where we figured that people in general are just offensive, so we don't even have people in Pirates anymore. It's just it's just objects.
2: <laughs> the Pirates of the Caribbean is just a piece of a plane.
1: No matter what you do, people are just terrible and offensive. Well, I'm
2: uh, by that because 9-11... Yeah, that's
1: right. Dadgummit, rewrite it, put a flower in there. Uh, So is that your fact, Derek?
0: Uh, I can give another one. Um, Did you know that on Main Street USA, when you look high above you on the tops of the buildings, there are American flags all down that street? Well, in America, if you have a flag flying, you have to take it down at sunset. And wait until sunrise to put it back up again. Which is what they do for the flag in Town Square. So why are they able to leave all those other flags up? Well, the reason is that they're not technically American flags. All of them are either missing a star or a stripe. So that way Disney can leave them flying 24-7 that's and terrible. be okay.
1: <laughs> it's like that's not even patriotic anymore. It's just blasphemous. Um, you can uh, you can fly them at night if they're illuminated. Well, right, but this those is real.
0: But those are not illuminated.
2: They're not illuminated. They just illuminate in- them. Why would they have to go through the? Let's take one star off of them and. Because you're also supposed to take them down during inclement weather.
0: That's true, and that would be really annoying. You need to tell some people in my neighborhood this. <laughs>
2: Uh, Derek you're taking all my fun facts by the way that was one of mine
1: (laughs) my next uh, the two of them are kind of linked together it has to do with cleanliness at Walt Disney World one I know is absolutely true the other I need to verify myself but I found it on several sources uh, in the context of looking for some facts to share Um, that we don't normally share because we're full of fun facts all the time. Uh, You cannot buy, number one, the one that is verified, like, no question about it, you cannot buy gum in Walt Disney World Parks.
0: This drove me crazy the first time we went. I was like, I cannot buy gum anywhere.
1: (laughs) You can't buy gum. Um, You can bring gum in, but I guess, you know, it significantly cuts down on the amount of gum waste that you are liable to encounter in a theme park, whether it's being thrown on the ground or stuck to some portion of a table or a ride or something like that. You just don't have to worry about it as much, I guess, if you're not selling it in the parks uh, for people to have on hand. So that that's interesting. Uh, you can buy mints. There's terrible mints, but you can buy mints. And uh, another one that I thought was interesting that I saw several places that, again, I'm going to have to verify, is that there is supposedly never more than 30 steps between you and a trash can. Now, who steps and what constitutes a step? Is this a, like a pirate pace or what? But, uh, you know, kind of think of it, there are trash cans like everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it might be tr- it might be true. And uh, this just, you know, kind of helps deal with people's, Laziness in that, you know, they look around for a trash can. If there's not one readily available, they're liable to do something uh, not trash can with it. But if you see one, it's like, oh, there's a trash can, I'll go throw it away. So there are apparently many, 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 many trash cans throughout Walt Disney
2: parks. If I remember correctly, because I've seen this same kind of fact floating around, in fact, it was on my list as well. But if uh, one thing I remember <laughs> seeing was that there was actually a whole study done where they observed people and The amount of time somebody was willing to hold on to their garbage, how far they were willing to carry their garbage, and that kind of thing. And so that's where they came up with the whole 30 steps.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I believe this 100%. I've always been pleased with how dependable it is for there to be a trash can nearby when you need one, you know? The only time there's not is sometimes I, I park... And I'll have trash in my car that I want to throw away. And there will not be a trash can until you get to like the TTC or the entrance or whatever. And I'm like, uh, come on, just one. But yeah, it's amazing how even in queues, there are three or four tractions. Or three or four trash cans in every queue. <laughs> so that way you can... Wow. <laughs> there are three or four attractions <laughs> in every queue. It's so interactive.
2: Because when you're <laughs> on the mine train and you're trying to throw that garbage away as you're whipping around. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep.
2: Uh, My next fun fact uh, comes over at Epcot. And so there in the UK Pavilion, there is a store called the Queen's Table, which is right next to the tea shop. So this is where like all the like the fine china is sold, I guess you could say Uh, there. Are you all familiar with what I'm talking about? Uh Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, on the exterior of the building and the windows, there are four crests that are shown and they represent four historical seats of learning in the United Kingdom. Would you like to take a guess at which four crests are represented?:
0: Can you give me one so I know what we're talking about?
2: Um, well, one of the, there's two that are really obvious, and then two that are not, so I'll give you one of the really obvious ones. Uh, Oxford.
0: Oh, okay, Cambridge.
2: Cambridge would be the other obvious one, yeah.
0: Um, Queen's College. I'm just making it. I
2: nope. The King's College is one. No. They're they're, is they're it both colleges? Like, and well, E? They're, yeah, they're 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 historical seats of learning, so more universities. Edinburgh. Edinburgh? Edinburgh. Oh, Edinburgh, Edinburgh is one Edinburgh. of Edinburgh. Borough, sorry, excuse me. And then Eton is the other one. Oh, um, I don't know about that one. ETON. So yeah, those are uh, those are what those crests are. So you can point those out to your family and friends and look very Very intelligent, next time you're in the United Kingdom.
0: Old chap. (laughs) Uh, Well, staying in Epcot, but over in Future World, I have always been sort of impressed by the fact that you cannot, you will not get wet if you're standing under Spaceship Earth, and that's because the Imagineers built this sort of drainage system. So basically, Spaceship Earth is two spheres, you know, like there's a sphere that holds the attraction, then there's like a few feet, or maybe maybe a foot. But anyway, there's space between that and then the actual exterior sphere that you see and sort of in between is this drainage system that collects rainwater, it funnels it through the structure and eventually it runs into the World Showcase Lagoon which I think is very Epcot-ish of them to do that. Yeah. Saving water. Yeah, because it's water is hard to come by in Orlando. Uh,
1: we got to make the best use of the, all the natural resources. Yes, I have no more,
0: but I can start. I can start <laughs> reading off others. Well, I, I just, I just have a couple more as well. Uh, this. I have one more. Okay.
1: Well, I can give you one more if he has one more, and then you can close with another one.
0: Okay, I have two more. And, and for this first one, I kind of want you guys to help me because it's a very general knowledge of what Disney does, but you probably have specific examples of this. And that is the fact that audio animatronic molds are often reused. Like, not every single audio animatronic was built from scratch to be a separate character. And I know the first example I thought of was how I've heard many of the presidents in Hall of Presidents are the same molds used for the characters in Spaceship Earth.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, uh, Andrew Jackson is is the Greek philosopher or something to that effect.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> of course uh, I, he is. I saw a few people comment online that the per- that the pirate who's being dunked in the water, who's got like his cheeks puffed out because he spits out water, you know, is the same mold used for the person blowing out the candles in the birthday cake in Haunted Mansion. Now, in Haunted Mansion, it's a woman, but like but it could still. I guess hypothetically, be the same mold used for those two people. I don't know.
1: Uh, the most recent rumor, of course, being that the what the redhead is the Wicked Witch from Great Movie Ride. Right, right. Which uh, honestly is believable. Well, that's know? not a mold. That's not a mold per se. Like you're talking about. That's just the the structure of the animatronic, the wires and all.
0: Right, like it was physically relocated to a yeah. new attraction. Yeah.
1: Give it a new face, etc.
0: Anyway, I wish there were, like, a list of all these so I could really inspect them and say, oh, that's totally the same thing. But,
1: anyway. Um, we probably mentioned this one on a Behind the Magic uh, Liberty Square or something in the past. I don't know. Derek can look that up in the database. Um, that is... <laughs> or not. <laughs> the the uh, second story of the uh, Hall of Presidents, there is indeed a window featuring two lit lanterns. Um, of course, coming from the poem Paul Revere's ride, uh, whether true or apocryphal, it is interesting that that little historical note is there. Facing the water, I might add, um, so that, you know, from the river boat and um, uh, the rivers of America, you can see that uh, the, the window there in the hall is lit with two lanterns.
0: One if by land, two if by river.
1: That's <laughs> what they said. The Bible says. <laughs> mm. uh,
2: my final fact to share today is over at the Contemporary Resort, and that is the giant murals that are featured inside the A-frame, which were, of course, uh, uh, done by Mary Blair, the famed Disney artist, who I love, by the way. And she did It's a Small World as well. And uh, the most popular figure on there being the five-legged goat, which is always fun to find. Um, and the reason why, story goes, why she put the five-legged goat on there was because she said that no piece of art is ever perfect, only God is perfect, and so she put in a mistake, and that mistake has sort of become a, a Disney icon, if you would.
0: Interesting, that feels like a Middle Eastern thing, like, isn't there some sort of religion?
2: That has a five-legged goat?
0: (laughs) <laughs> no, that that <laughs> has the concept where nothing they build should be exactly perfect or symmetrical because only God would be able to do something like that. Anyway.
2: I'm not sure, but good.
1: good. That's the and Shakers. That's... No, I don't think it's the Shakers.
0: Anyway, um, I lied. I do have two more. I just found one at the top of my list that I skipped. And I have not been to French Quarter enough to know what this is talking about, but I did look up pictures Uh, Across the registration desks at Port Orleans French Quarter, there are large music notes hung on, like, these kind of golden gate bar things. And from left to right, they play out the first verse of When the Saints Go Marching In, which is a very New Orleans-type song. Oh, I would have
1: done a Star Wars theme.
0: (laughs) The Star Wars Resort... Uh, confirmed, will have that mm-hmm. at their check-in desks. So, wait for that. Uh, and my last piece of fun information is fun to me because it surprises me. Uh, it's the speeds of attractions at Walt Disney World. Do you know what is the fastest attraction in Walt Disney World? Test Track. That is correct. It's Test Track, which reaches 69 miles per hour
1: what no yep it barely gets to 60.
0: Mm, that's like going down the interstate That's not that fast
1: it barely gets to 60 on the outside loop that's the thing like it gets to 60 miles an hour unless they've ramped it up which i highly doubt
2: every source i've ever seen says test track is the fastest i've never seen 60 i've seen 65 miles per hour okay with rock and roll ever seen I mean, sixty-second at 60.
0: Okay, the the sources I'm now seeing say 65. Um, so obviously it, it's gotten slower since I first looked this up. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Rock and Roller Coaster to me feels faster, but it only reaches a close to 60 miles per hour, which I guess is closer to 65 than it is to 69, which is what I originally thought. But what's fascinating to me is how fast Space Mountain is, because when you ride Space Mountain, you think. This is pretty fast. We're zooming right along. Do you know the fastest speed that Space Mountain reaches?
2: I think it's like like 30 miles per hour. 28, 30,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's 27 miles per <laughs> hour. The Barnstormer reaches 25. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Listen. It's not funny.
1: Uh, 28 miles an hour will kill somebody. Uh, it's just, we're just used to traveling in our cars, you know, and uh, we, we don't feel how fast it is. I think that's, I mean, it's just, it is surprising, but.
0: Yeah, I guess I just think when you pull into the station at the end of Space Mountain and someone said, how fast do you think you were going? I'd be like, oh, like 45 and it's 27.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of disheartening when you consider the Kitty Coaster is the same speed as uh, Space Mountain.
0: Yeah, I mean, they even listed water slides in one of the lists I saw. And, like, there were three water slides listed above Space Mountain. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's but, lame. And there's not even a lap bar.
2: But you're also you're also going, like, in short distances. So if it was 27 miles per hour for, like, a straight shot, then, yeah, that would sort of feel pretty lame. <laughs> It'd be like the I, Railroad. Yeah, yeah. So, if, you know, the twists and turns add to the excitement. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, there you go. <laughs> well, now everybody is full of fun facts to take on their next Walt Disney World vacation. And I'm sure some of you will want to share your fun facts with us, which we would love to hear. And others of you would tell us where our fun facts are wrong so go ahead and tell us as well
0: (laughs) tell tell all of it to us and i will say i mean not to sound egotistical but there were several that i skipped because i'm like okay surely all people know these fun facts because they get shared all the time but those were the ones that i thought were the most fun even after hearing them for the first time i still think they're fun so
2: yeah and and some of them are are just common knowledge like how the castle is taken down for the hurricane (laughs) right how uh, Walt Disney's frozen head is underneath you know, uh, the Liberty Square train station, all that kind of stuff.
0: Sure. Yeah. We don't want to waste people's time with facts. They already know. So. Exactly. That being said, thank you for sharing this time with us, listeners. Uh, you can go find us online at MadChatters on Twitter and Instagram, or if you do have some fun facts you want to share, send them to us at comments at MadChatters.net. And we'll see you back here next week. Take a little time to find the magic in every day. Bye-bye now.
1: And then maybe just some little-known facts about the experience that might heighten your experience of that attraction or show or whatever the next time you get to see it.
0: And <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> you already told us what we're doing, so I didn't know where to go.
0: Oh, yeah. Do you want me to take it for a little bit? Yeah, just take okay. over. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Yes <laughs> <laughs>